We continue today our series of new life. Amen. It is spring. And today is part four of our new life series, which is based on 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And springtime is a time when we celebrate new life. Things that were dead are coming alive, and it's a wonderful season to celebrate new things. And I know in some of your lives, there are new things happening, and uh, it's exciting, it's exciting. New seasons, new adventures, new, new things that you're trying to do, and so it is wonderful to have in some areas of our lives, springtime has come. We also know that in biblical times, spring was the season when kings went to war, they went to uh, gangsters enemies going to conquer new ground and so springtime is an exciting season of new life and new things it is also a season of discovering new enemies and my title today of part four is that new enemies oh no pastor but it's a new life it's supposed to be all beautiful all things are gone it's supposed to be exciting and new and life and there's no enemies really Wait a minute. Remember we spoke the other day about the now and not yet kind of situation, the tension that you're living right now? Jesus came to establish his kingdom. But when he came, he came to proclaim his kingdom and get the kingdom of God started. And he said very clearly, my kingdom is not of this world. And it's in people's hearts. He's coming again. When he comes again, then he's coming to establish permanently his kingdom on the earth. Then he's coming to reign. But between his first coming and the second coming is where you and I are sitting. It's the now and not yet. The kingdom of God is here, yes, but it is not yet in its fullness. Because the will of God is still not fully done on earth. And so when you, when you come into the kingdom of God in the spirit of tension, you are going to attract some enemies. Now, we are in what? Rugby season. Huh? How many of you are watching rugby yesterday? Come on, don't be shy, guys. I know you're enjoying it, but some of us love rugby, okay? Now, Springboks and the All Blacks. And okay, we, 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 lost, we lost a match. We haven't lost the cup yet, okay? There's still hope, all right? Now, for you guys that are real rugby, you know, what if I told you that yesterday, during the match, I was shouting for the All Blacks? I, I, I think some of you guys are going to have difficulty calling me brother. <laughs> what happened? I just assumed a different position than yours. And all of a sudden, because I assumed a different position, all of a sudden, I gained some new enemies. <laughs> By the way, I wasn't shouting for the All Blacks, okay? Yeah. I'm shouting for the Boca. <laughs> all right. But, but you see what happened. And when you take a certain position, when you assume a position, you automatically create some enemies. And when you said, Lord Jesus... I'm yours. I'm committing my life to you. I believe in you. You died for me. I'm going to serve you. And you accept that position. What happens? You become a new creation. Hallelujah. But you also gain a whole new set of enemies. It comes with a package, baby. 
And so today we're going to look at your three main enemies. This is not a lesson on spiritual warfare, but it's basically I want you to be aware of who your three main enemies are. Because if you are aware of them and you know how to handle them, you're going to be in a position of victory. Amen? It's going to give you a position where you can face and you can continue your journey in victory, all right? So, even today, we've been, we've been singing songs about, about you know, uh, the disparagement of Jesus, break every chain, and we're talking about, you know, some of us are going through a tough time. Why are you going through a tough time? Because you've got enemies, and that's why now and then we go through tough times. Because in the season, in the stinction that we live in, in the now and not yet, we are going to be hammered sometimes. We're going to have to face difficult situations sometimes. And if we understand these three enemies that I'm going to be talking to you about this morning, it will position you at least in a, in a, in a place of understanding. It will give you hope. It will give you some tools that you can fight and stay faithful and hanging there until the fullness of the kingdom of God comes. Amen. All right, Jesus did say that in this world, you will have tribulation, you will have trouble. Jesus never promised a problem-free life. I've got a problem with these guys that advertise. Oh, if you have any problems, come to this church, we're going to pray for you, and we're going to limit your problems, no more health problems, no more financial problems, all of rubbish, man. We all going to have problems. And yes, we trust in God for victory. And yes, we fight. Amen. But don't think you're going to ever be in a time in your life where you'll have no problems. Like somebody once said, or my colleague said, you know what? Everybody, right now, you're either coming out of a problem, or you are in the middle of a problem, or you're about to go into a problem. In some area in your life. Because that is the reality of life on planet Earth in this now and not yet season. But if you understand the dynamics of what is going on, you will know what to do. And you'll brace yourself and you'll, you'll go through the situations. Amen? And, get, and, and you'll be able to be firm and you'll be able to live in victory, even in the middle of these crazy times that you're living in. So, let's talk about our enemies. Here we go. The first enemy. Let's have him up here. And of course, you would guess who this first enemy is. It is the devil. <laughs> the devil. He's your first enemy. Now, the devil, it's, it's a being and his network. Now, understand this. The devil is not a story. The devil is not a figment of imagination. He is a real person. God created him to lead the praises. God created him to reflect his glory in heaven and to lead the worship in God's throne room. He's a created being, beautiful being. But what happened is, the devil looked at all this glory, and he thought it was his glory. He didn't realize he's reflecting the glory of God. He thought it was his. He thought, man, I'm the big one. I'm the mighty one over here. And he tried to rebel against God, and he tried to be God. And he quickly found out why the Bible says that God is the almighty one. Jesus said, I saw the devil falling like lightning, man, like, and he was gone because God is almighty. You don't challenge his authority. You don't challenge who he is. You are a created being. And the devil, thinking he was going to be big shot, he challenged God and he fell very, very, very quickly. 
And the Bible calls him a number of things. Calls him the wicked one in Matthew 13, 19. Calls him the devil in Luke 4, 33. A murderer, a father of lies in John 8, 44. He's an adversary seeking to devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. Bible says he's like a roaring lion, hungry lion, looking for something to eat. Except he's not a lion. <laughs> okay? He pretends to be a lion. He makes the noises of a lion. And if you believe he's a lion, he's got you fooled. And you get you cornered, and you get paralyzed with fear, and you'll eat you up for lunch. He's not a lion. Understand this. We're going to see what's going on just now. He's called the old serpent, the deceiver of the world, the accuser of our brethren in Revelation 12, 9 to 10. You see, all these things reflect his character, who he is, the kind of person he is. Liar, murderer. Now, understand this. This gives an idea of what kind of person he is. The devil... Comes, the word devil comes from the Greek word diabolos, which means an accuser and a slanderer. Okay, someone who accuses people and speaks bad of another. He is also called Satan from an old Aramaic Hebrew word, Satan, which means an adversary, someone who opposes you. So as a Christian, you want to follow Jesus, but now he comes and he starts accusing. He accuses you, he accuses you before God, he accuses God before you, and, and he tries to put doubt in your mind about God, and he, he resists your walk with the Lord. He does not want you to get closer to God. That is his job. He's an adversary. Now, the devil was originally created to be a bearer and a carrier of light. As his original name, Lucifer, suggests. Lucifer means morning star. Means carrier of light. And that's what he was. But now, today, we as human beings, we are made in the image and likeness of God. The devil hates that. Number two, when you choose to follow Christ, when you become a new creation, you become a carrier of light. We are the ones who in the world today are reflecting the glory of God. We are reflecting the character of God. So the devil looks at you and me and he says, hey, these guys are doing the job I was doing in heaven. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. Now, understanding, doesn't matter whether you're a believer or an atheist, he hates you because you are made in the image and likeness of God. But if you're not following Christ, he says, man, I can deal with these guys later. But when you begin to follow Christ, you become a major target because he wants to stop you. He wants to discourage you from following God. But if he cannot discourage you from following God, if he cannot change your destination, then he's at least going to try and make sure that your journey is hell. So he'll try and oppose you. And that's where many of our problems come from. The devil attacking us tempting us, trying to interfere in our lives. Now, how does the devil do that? Through deception, through lies, through accusations, through enticements, just by being who he is, being wicked, being the devil, being a murderer, father of lies, uh, seeking to devour, to destroy, to confuse. He does that. He will tempt you. That is his major thing, tempting you. Now, the word temptation, when you say it in English, temptation usually has a, a, a negative connotation. If you're going to be tempted, that means you, you, you're going to be tempted to do something negative. But in the Greek, the word temptation is a neutral word. It's neither good nor bad. It is how it is used that defines the word temptation. The word temptation in Greek is perasmos, which means put into proof. It means a trial. It means a test. 
Now, trials and tests we all have. And we hate tests, don't we? We hate exams. How I many of you love exams? It's horrible. But an exam can launch you forward. You do your exam, you pass your exam, you go forward in life. You meet a challenging life, you overcome that challenge, you come out stronger, wiser. You grow through those challenges. But if you don't react properly to those challenges, it can squash you. If you're not prepared for that test, you can fail. It will take you back. The test is neutral. It's how you handle it. It's what you do with it. Trials in life come towards you. And you've got to make choices. If you make the right choices, you will grow through those choices. If you make the wrong choices, they'll work against you and push you back. And so through trials and through temptations, you learn about yourself. Am I growing more and more like Jesus? Am I learning? Am I growing my character? Am I growing my decision making? Am I learning to resist the devil? Or am I falling every time for the stupid thing? And so those trials and temptations, they come to position you. And you need to understand that. And the devil is relentless. He will tempt you in terms of enticing you to sin. That's what he will do. He will draw you towards sin. He will appeal to your basic nature and try to get you to go against the word of God. So be alert. The devil is a liar. So he will tempt you to what? To lie. He's a false accuser and a slanderer. So he will tempt you to accuse others falsely. To tell lies about others. To accuse them. To gossip about people. He hates, and so he will tempt you to hate others without cause. The devil does that. How many situations we need of people that hate others for no apparent motive? They do crime, and it, it, we cannot understand how do they do it. The devil tempts them, and they fall for it. The devil is crafty, sleek, and subtle. He is called the God of this world, the prince or the ruler of this world in John 12, 31. He's called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And so what he does is he wants to rule the thoughts and actions of men. And so how do we overcome them? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 13, that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Guys, I want you to read this verse carefully. Get it in your Bible. Underline it. Write it. Put it up in your mirror. I want you to see something here. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So many people tell me, oh, pastor, I was tempted. I couldn't resist it. The devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. It's not so powerful. You are created in the image and likeness of God. The devil is a spiritual being. He's got no right on this earth. You do because you're a human being. You're created to be on this earth. The devil can only do to you what you allow him to do to you, what you believe him to do, what you accept from him. If you believe his lies, if you believe his deception, if you say yes, sir, to the devil, he's got you. Look there. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. People tell me, Pastor, this temptation is so horrible. This only happens to me. How can I bear up with this? Hey, hey, whoa, whoa. It says temptation is common. What you are going through, everybody goes through at different levels. 
There is nothing new under the sun. The devil only has one bag of tricks, which he keeps on repeating over and over and over and over, over you and you and you and you and you, generation after generation for thousands of years. But it makes you think that you are unique. Your temptation, this is my temptation. <laughs> it's not. Look there. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may bear it. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can take. Number two, he has an escape. So when temptation comes, look for the escape because it is there. Look for the escape. Pray for the escape. Amen. Look for it. Pray for it. If necessary, run for it. Joseph in the Old Testament, okay, when Potiphar's wife came on to him, Joseph didn't have time to look for the escape. He didn't have time to have a prayer meeting. <laughs> the boy, he just took off, man. Ah! Ran away and went somewhere to pray later. You run away from situations that cause you to have temptation. You run away from people that are, are, are ganging up on you and causing you to fall. You do not give time to the devil because his tricks are always the same over and over and over again. God gives us an escape. And if you're alert, if you know this and you're watching and you're observing, you will know what to do. Do not allow the devil to put you in places that will cause you to fall. Amen. <laughs> so we resist temptation. Sometimes he will entice you to tempt others. Sometimes he uses people to tempt people. He uses us to set up people to fall or to encourage people to do something stupid. You might have a friend, sometimes a Christian friend, challenging you to do something stupid. And when you do, you realize, oops, I've broken the will of God. I've gone against the will of God. Be aware. Be aware. Be aware. But the devil is not alone. Not only does he work with his demons, and that's why our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That's why I refer to the network uh, that he's got with him. But the devil has other agents. The second enemy that we have to deal with, apart from the devil, is the world. That's your second enemy, the world. And when I'm talking about the world, I'm not talking about the birds and the bees, the trees, the mountains, the hills, the beautiful things that God has created. I'm not talking about the planet Earth. When I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about a system, a culture, a system of thinking, an organization, or an organized way of doing things, and a culture. The word of God says, listen carefully. This is in um, 1 John 12, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. The world, the system, the cosmos. Every time he says world over there, it's the Greek word cosmos. And cosmos means a way of thinking, a world system, a culture. 
When Jesus said go into the world, he said go into the cosmos. It means not only go into the nations and go into the ethnic groups, but it means go into the culture of these nations. Go into the culture of these ethnic groups. Go into the culture around you and bring that culture in line with the word of God. Because every culture is fallen. Cultures have some good things and they've got some evil things. And we have to bring cultures under the lordship of Jesus Christ. But he says, the world is passing away. These systems of the world, they're going to pass away. But he who does the will of God abides when? Forever. The will of God will last forever. And those of us who do His will will last forever as well. That is the promise of God. And that is a great thing. Amen. And so we must understand this. Uh, we are here to change culture. To change these systems. And not allow these systems to change us. The Bible warns of the, of the lusts of the world. Amen. And yet people today are so overwhelmed with the culture of the world that sometimes it's difficult to figure out what is right, what is wrong. Nations are putting into law things which are against the will of God. And people that grow up outside of the church, outside of knowing God's word, and then they become Christians, they're a little bit confused in the beginning. What is right, what is wrong? I'm so used to doing what the world does. Everybody's doing this. Uh, not everybody's doing it. Some people are not doing it. And if it's not God's will, don't you do it. But you see, there is this culture. It's okay to live like this. It's okay to do that. It's okay to be casual about sex. Everybody, you know, for example, smokes. Why shouldn't you smoke? Everybody gets drunk. Why shouldn't you get drunk? Because of a culture. A culture of God versus a culture of the world. And we have to go against it. And it's not easy because when everybody around you is doing it and you come against it, all of a sudden you've got enemies, you've got resistance. So are you weird? Are you one of these religious freaks now? Going to church, hallelujah, yeah, praying all the time. Don't you have fun anymore? Well, here's the thing. If all you do is have fun in the world, you never know what true fun is because you don't know what God's culture is like. Once you begin to enjoy the gospel, what's in the word of God, when you begin to understand the things of God, you realize that it is greater than the things of the world. And as you, as you come into the church, as you come into the life of faith, and, and you're battling with stuff, if you're not sure about something, rather don't do it. And go and take time to learn more, to pray, to get to know the word of God. That's why it's important to know the word of God, number one, and to be able to hear the voice of the spirit, number two. Because God is going to guide you through his word and through the voice of your spirit, speaking to you in your inner man. You will know this is right, this is wrong. This I should do, this I should not do. Go with your spirit, not with the system of the world, not with what everybody's saying. That was a big challenge to me when I was in high school and I made a commitment to follow Jesus. And then all of a sudden, I became the odd one out, the oddball. Previously, I was with the boys and, and the jokes and the language. I was one of the boys. All of a sudden, I'm going, uh-uh. <laughs> That's not funny. You, you degrade, you're degrading women now, man. Or you're doing this, or you're doing that. And I became the oddball. And they began to say, yeah, yes, no, Domini, man. <laughs> they said it so much, I became one, Okay. <laughs> 
But the same guys came to me afterwards and says, Valdir, you can't imagine what your change did to me. One of my classmates today is a pastor. And you're still me the other day. It was those conversations we had in classroom which caused me to think and to rethink my ways. Are you going to fit in with the world or are you going to fit in with Jesus Christ? You've got to make a choice, man. You've got to make a choice because the world is not your friend. The world will say, come, 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 do it. And when you do it, they say, bad boy, bad boy, why did you do it? The world will put these, these advertisements, come, come gamble, come gamble. We give you free chips, come, 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 gamble, 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 gamble. And then you come and you gamble. And when you lose everything, they say, oh, you loser, you shouldn't have done that. And nobody had to pick you up. Come on. They put all these, these sexy ads and pretty girls and everything else. And then when the man gets obsessed and he falls into sin, the world says, bad, bad boy, why did you do that? So the world brings you into these things. And when you fall, they still ridicule you. The devil is bad, man. That's why he doesn't like you. If he could destroy you, he would. And so the world is not our friend. Now, when you are taken up with the things of God, the things of this world do not satisfy you. Listen, coming Tuesday is bride day, right? All right, and I hope you guys are going to enjoy some bride this week. But anyway, now imagine it's Tuesday, and you're enjoying a lacquer bride, okay? There is choppies, there is steak, there is chicken, there is vors, there is salad, there is pup and sauce, and it's alles that, okay? And you've just finished enjoying all this, and somebody comes up to you, with an old, dried, wrapped up cheese sandwich. You can see the bread is dry, half stale. And it comes and says, hey, would you like a cheese sandwich? You're going to look at that cheese sandwich and say, listen, no thanks. I am satisfied. I am satisfied. Thank you. I don't need your old cheese sandwich. When you are filled with the things of God, the things of the world becomes like dried cheese sandwich to you. But when all you know is the worldly stuff, you think that is ah, awesome. Except the more you have it, the less satisfied you are. It never satisfies you. Listen to what the Bible says in, um, in Proverbs. Proverbs 27, 7. One who is full loathes honey from the cum. All right? In other words, you know, your tummy is full, you're satisfied, and then somebody brings you lovely fresh honey, still in the gum dripping sweet. You go, oh, no, man, I'm full. I don't want that. But the hungry, even what is bitter, tastes sweet. The guy that has nothing, and you give him something horrible, you say, oh, thank you very much. I like that. You've seen sometimes, you know, people scavenging in rubbish bins and taking old food and enjoying it because they are hungry. Listen, it's a picture of the world. You see, when you're in the world, you think the things of the world, oh, this is so nice, I'm having fun, and then you do it, when you're finished, what, what happens? You're not satisfied, you need more, you do it more, you do it more, and you're never satisfied. I've never seen anyone in this world enjoying the things of the world and saying, I am satisfied. The more money they've got, the more money they want. The more popular they are, the more popular they want to be. The more power they have, the more power they want to get. Look around you. This world does not satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies. Only the things of God satisfy you. And when you come and you enjoy the things of God, the things of this world begin to lose their grip on you. So let our souls be satisfied with the things of God and we will not be going chasing after the bitter things of this world. The third enemy 
is very close to us. He's the, the one that is closest to us. And one which is going to give us trouble the longest. Here we go. Our third enemy is called the flesh. The flesh is a mindset, your mindset. It resides inside your head, under your skin. It is an inclination to sin, which resides inside your skin. It's not a system of thinking in the world. It's not the person of the devil. It's right inside you. And this is actually your greatest enemy. The longest enemy you have to put up with is this one. Because wherever you go, <laughs> there you are. Okay? And very often people come and say, the devil made me do it. Or the people made me everybody. No, 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 no. It was actually your flesh. You allowed your flesh to get hold of you, to get the best out of you. Galatians 5, 17. The flesh lusts against the spirit. In other words, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. You know that conflict inside of you? You know, like you know, the two little angels, you know, the, the, the angel and the little demon, yeah, you know. Do it, do it. Don't do it, don't do it. Do it, do it. Don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> it's a battle because, see, you are a spirit. And the spirit of God resides in your spirit. But your body, your flesh, and your mind, your mindset, your desires are not completely renewed yet. Remember the now and not yet? Remember the, the, the phases of salvation? I am saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. Jesus Christ, he died for my sins. And when I put my trust in him, I was saved. I was connected with God again. I've got eternal life in my spirit. But I'm still being saved. I'm not in heaven yet, guys. I'm still being saved. In other words, my mind is being renewed. Romans 12. I'm still reading. I'm learning the things of God. I'm unlearning the things of the world, the things of the devil, and learning the ways of God and, and living that way. So I am being saved. This is called sanctification. It's a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And one day, I am going to be saved. Amen? When I see Jesus face to face, when I get my, 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 my new body, a body which will not be inclined towards sin, an eternal body, I'll be completely safe. It's the illustration I say of the guy, he's drowning in the middle of the sea, and he gets rescued. So the brother, the guy is rescued and he's put on the boat. Man, he's being saved, okay? He was drowning, he's not drowning anymore. He's alive, but he's not home yet. So now he's in the boat now, he's going home. He is being saved. He was saved. Now he's being saved. And then one day the boat arrives and he's in dry land. He's home. Now he's saved. He was saved. He's being saved. He will be saved. It's the same thing with us. And so in this journey, in this process, understand this, your spirit is alive unto God, but your mind is still being renewed. And the longer you've been away from the things of God, the longer it takes to renew your mind, to learn the word of God. That's why it's so important to learn the Word of God, to be in fellowship, to worship together with your brothers and sisters, to learn more about Jesus, to be encouraged by the Lord and by His people, and to realize that you're not alone. We are together in this journey. None of us are perfect. None of us have arrived yet. We're all on this journey together, and we can encourage one another. We can help one another to stay faithful. And so we are on this journey but while we're doing this, sometimes your flesh huh, wants you to sin. Because the spirit and the flesh fight together. 
Sometimes your spirit says, now listen, do something for God. But because you've got this battle, sometimes your spirit says, let's do something for Jesus. And you battle and your flesh fights against it and you don't do it. What you wanted to do, you don't do. But sometimes your flesh tempts you to do something sinful. And your spirit and your flesh have a battle. And you resist that. And you don't do it. And so you don't do what your flesh wanted to do. You see, this verse works both ways. They fight against one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Sometimes your flesh wishes to do something. But if you prioritize the spirit, you will not do what your flesh wants to do. Sometimes your spirit wants to do something. But if you prioritize your flesh, you will not do what the spirit wants to do. What is the trick here? Listen to your spirit. Listen to the word of God and let the spirit won the battle over the flesh. We all go through these battles. It's common to every man, woman, boy, and girl. And we need to understand this, that it is a real battle. And the longer you've been involved, the longer you've pampered your flesh, the longer it takes to bring it under subjection to the spirit of God. The longer you've been cheating, the longer it's going to take for you to learn to come out of that and live an honest life. Some people are, have habits of drinking or smoking or drugs. It takes time to come out, but it can be overcome. And sometimes you fail. Sometimes you fall. It does not mean you've lost your salvation. You've just lost a battle. That's all. Get up. Fight again. Every time you sin, every time you fail, don't say, ah, oh, I'm, I'm useless and, and this thing doesn't work and God's not up. No, 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 no. We have battles and sometimes we fall. Sometimes we, we don't do what you want to do. Remember Paul? I, I'm, what I want to do, I don't do. What I want to do, I do. Who's going to save me? And then he says, Christ Jesus helps me. Because it's not because of what you've done that determines your salvation. It's Jesus Christ. But if you understand that, every time you fall, you rise up again. You call on God. Say, God, help me. And you try again. And you keep on trying and trying and trying. And even if it hurts, you choose to do the will of God. And before you know it, your spirit has overcome. And your flesh has been put under. And the spirit is victorious. Amen. But it's going to take a battle for some of us more than others. The longer you are in this battle, the easier it becomes. The easier it becomes. Now understand this. Sometimes your flesh tends to rise up. You come to know God and, and you give up a whole bunch of things. For example, a person is gambling. He comes to Jesus and, he, and he's able to overcome gambling. He's not gambling anymore. And he's serving God. And all of a sudden, two years later, boom, here comes the desire to gamble again. Where is this coming from? Your flesh, the old man, it is still there. And every now and then he pops up because your flesh still wants to be pampered. And you're going to say, flesh, get down. <laughs> I'm not going to entertain you. I'm going to entertain the Spirit of God. I'm going to do the will of the Lord. Guys, these are real enemies that we have in our lives. Amen. Ha, the flesh. All right. So, the Bible says we must reckon ourselves dead to sin. Romans 6, 11. It says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves indeed dead to sin, but alive to God. So, whenever your flesh is playing with you, with you Imagine that you are dead. Um, have you guys read recently of any dead person who robbed the bank? Any dead person who committed a crime? Dead people don't commit crime. Dead people don't sin. 
So when your body wants to sin, say, uh-uh, wait a minute, body, you are dead. I am alive to Christ. Flesh, die. <laughs> evil, evil desires, die. Reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Hallelujah. Amen. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So you ignore the flesh. If you ignore the flesh, it will shut up. It's not easy. And sometimes people have to go through a time of, you know, detoxing <laughs> to get rid of stuff. But it can be done. And it's a choice that we make. We choose to follow the voice of the Spirit and we reject the voice of our flesh. So, there you have it. Our three enemies. The devil, a being, and then the world system, which is a mindset in society, a culture, and then our flesh, our own uh, views, values, and system of seeing the world, and our fleshly desires. Now, those are our enemies. Let's go to the next slide. The devil and his agents, the world and the flesh. Sometimes we fall, we fall by a direct temptation or attack of the devil. Sometimes we fall because we accommodate the ideas and the systems of the world. We want to please the world, we want to please people, and then we fall. Sometimes we fall because we pamper our fleshly desires, thinking it is normal. We say, oh, I'm only human, you know, and we pamper the flesh and we fall. But you need to understand and believe the following. The victory is ours. We may lose a battle sometimes, but we definitely have already won the war. Amen? Jesus has won the war for us. This is not our fight. My salvation doesn't depend on what I do. My victory over here over sins depends on my choices, but my destination depends on what Jesus has already done. So the battle is already won. Amen. We were speaking about the Boca earlier on. Now the Boca, they lost the match yesterday. But they haven't lost the cup yet. All right? It's still early days. There is still hope. They could still make it. Okay? And we're going to hope and pray and... <laughs> And, and they could still win that cup. But however, in rugby, it is uncertain because so many things could go right and so many things could go wrong. So their victory is uncertain, but your victory and my victory is certain. It is settled. Jesus has done it. So even if you lose a match or two, <laughs> get up and get back in the fight because we are going to win this war. In fact, we have already won the war. Amen. It says the following in John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus really destroyed the works of the devil which separated man from God. And now we can have a relationship with God. So Satan, his works were defeated. Now Satan is being defeated. Why? Every time you choose Christ. Every time you have a battle against the flesh and you won, every time you resist his temptations, you are tramping on him. You are defeating him. The Bible says that Jesus is now the head of the church and we are his body and that God has placed everything under the feet of the body. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Therefore, the Satan is under 
our feet. And every time you obey the Spirit of God, every time you resist the temptation, you're going, dear devil, take that. Every time you resist a temptation in your flesh, you go, dear devil, you take that. And so the devil was defeated. And every time we obey Christ, he's being defeated again and again and again and again. I love that, don't you? Come on. Let's have some fun defeating the devil. The devil tempts you to lie. You tell the truth. Mm, take it. <laughs> the devil wants you to be nasty. You are kind. Take it. <laughs> and we live a life of victory. The devil wants you to destroy yourself with, with drugs or alcohol or something. You say, no. Boom. Defeat the devil. Hallelujah. Amen. And you live a life defeating the devil. Hallelujah. And the devil will be defeated. In fact, he will be destroyed. Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. It's not going to take long. And Jesus is coming back. And then Satan will not just be defeated. He will be crushed. No more devil. No more temptation. No more world. No more fleshly desires. The whole thing will be gone. When Jesus returns, not only will Satan be ultimately defeated, he will be crushed. Our future is a future with no devil and no demons. No ungodly worldly system. But a world where the will of God is done as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. And no sinful body to pull me down. But a glorious, glorified, eternal body to pull perfectly reflect the glory of God for ages to come. Hallelujah. That is our future, guys. So be aware of this today. New life brings with it new enemies in this world. But be sure that the day is coming soon where Jesus will crush the enemy of our souls and we will have no more enemies. Hallelujah. And so I think it is fitting to close this message and the service with the blessing that Paul said in Romans 16, 12. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because guys, it is all by the grace of Jesus. We resist the devil not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And everything we have is by the grace of the Lord Jesus. We don't deserve it. We haven't done anything to gain it. He loves us. And he gives us his grace to be able to do all these things. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. 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 Let's stand up. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Glory. And let's go into this week aware of our enemies. And let's put up a fight. And let's defeat Satan every opportunity we can. I'm going to pray. I'm going to close in prayer. Then you guys can enjoy some coffee together. But before you leave, I want you to turn to at least three people and give that blessing to them. Say, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Just leave that slide on the board. You guys can remember it, okay? Go to three people and give them that blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And give three people a hug and bless them. Father God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the knowledge, God, that even though we are aware that there are enemies out there resisting our work with you, Thank you for the truth 
that you have defeated these enemies, God. And with faith in you, with your Holy Spirit inside of us, and with determination to win, we can overcome these enemies. And even if we, if we lose a battle, if we fail now and then, that is not the end of it, Lord. We can rise up again. We can stand up. We can get back into the fight, Lord God, because we know that the war is already won. We are going into a future without enemies because we are doing your will and we believe in you, Lord Jesus. And you are the King of kings, Lord of lords, our Savior. So Lord, I pray your blessing upon everyone hearing this message here and in this recording, Father. Bless every home. Bless every individual, Lord God, that we may be able to know our enemies and live in victory over them for your glory and honor. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, greet three people and bless each other with that blessing. And have a great week. Amen.